Good morning, and thank you for joining our Sunday School podcast, where we're making space for different things every week. Week one was making space for rest. Week two was making space for self-care. And this week is making space for joy. Maybe you're like me. There are times when you scroll through Facebook and Instagram, and you think to yourself, these people all seem so joyful. I mean, we've thought that many times, right? And all of these seemingly joyful posts can make us feel like we're somehow maybe less joyful. An article by Inc.com breaks down this phenomenon. It says, of all the ways social media can be bad for you, one of the worst, according to science, is the ability of Facebook and Instagram to produce and manufacture envy. You see your friends posting smiling selfies at exotic destinations and and bragging about their professional and personal accomplishments. And maybe you feel like at the end of all that that you don't somehow measure up. This article also points that many people really aren't that joyful, even when they have a continual stream of happy pics. After all, social media is just a highlight reel. I mean, we know this deep down, right? We're aware that generally most people aren't joyful every minute of every day. We know that most people live a very different life than maybe what they portray online. But even though we know this, we see joyful posts and pictures and they can still impact us in a very negative way. For me, my reaction to other people's posts depends on how I feel about my life on that particular day. If I'm feeling pretty positive about things, I'm typically happy for people who post things that are good for them on Facebook. If I'm having a bad day or a challenging day, or just downright feel unhappy, I can see people posting about their perfect joyful lives online, and I could maybe end up feeling worse about my life. So maybe the takeaway here is that we should just stay off social media when we're having a bad day. But we all strive to experience joy. In a world where life can change in a moment, as we've all experienced with COVID-19, there are some things in life that are just less than perfect. And where bad things seem to good happen to good people, finding joy can seem elusive, if not even impossible. As Christians, this longing for a joyful life is even more profound. We don't just desire joy, do we? No, we often expect it. As people who choose to follow Jesus, we can believe that joy should be a natural byproduct of that choice. And if we're being really honest, we often believe that God should provide us a joyful life. And how do we typically measure joy? Well, usually that's through relationships, through circumstances, through things like maybe our spouse, our kids, our jobs, or maybe even our possessions and things. We all have a mental picture of what a joyful life should look like. But most of the time, reality doesn't reflect that perfect picture. Maybe our our spouse is not so perfect. Maybe our kids cause us sleepless nights. Maybe a friend is unhappy with us. Maybe our job is filled with stress and demands that never seem to go away. Or maybe the roof at the house is leaking and the cars need new tires and you just don't have the money to make those things go away. When reality doesn't meet our expectations, when life doesn't reflect the perfect picture in our minds, we can often become convinced 
that we won't experience joy. In turn, this belief fuels the cycle of our discontent. When our expectations aren't met, we may start to focus on the bad in every relationship and everything around us. We stop looking for joy. In fact, joy can become blocked by hopelessness. We lose hope that our marriage and relationships will ever get better. We lose hope that our kids will make better choices eventually. We lose hope in finding really great friends. We lose hope in finding joy in our career. We lose hope that we need things to make us happy. And all this hopelessness begins to take up so much space in our hearts and minds, there's no room left for joy. But what if there was a different way to view joy? What if we're using the wrong standard to measure contentment? What if, and this is a big what if, we actually choose joy? The Bible offers some really great insights into identifying and experiencing true joy. Our first insight is found in the book of Proverbs. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, much of Proverbs was written by an ancient king named Solomon. Solomon was extremely wise, he was extremely wealthy, but he even found abundance doesn't translate into joy. In fact, he spent a lot of time of his life trying to find more joy and more meaning. In one proverb, Solomon makes this observation. This is Proverbs 15, verse 15, out of the New Living Translation. He says, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. And I'll say that again. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. The first part of this verse gives us a recipe for a bad day or a bad life. The word despondent basically means hopeless. This verse acknowledges that hopelessness just begets more hopelessness. In other words, hopeless people tend to continually focus on what's hopeless, what's bad, what brings trouble, what's less than perfect. And we all know that there's a lot of trouble we can focus on every day. All it takes is one thought, one comment, one phone or text conversation, one clip of the news, or one unexpected email or deadline. When these moments happen, our hearts can become troubled and hopeless, leaving no space for joy. And if you're anything like me, when some not-so-great things happen in your life, you have phrases that seem to pop up. These sound like, Here we go again. I figured this was going to happen. Guess today just isn't my day. This just isn't fair. Looks like God isn't going to answer my prayer this time. Maybe we've thought things like that. We all have despairing thoughts that if we're not careful, can be put on repeat. Some of us see every day that doesn't go our way as a bad day. The really bad days are a luxury we give ourselves. We believe that we have so many more days to go on in our lives, but we can afford to waste a day in self-pity, resentment, negativity, or despair. But how many days this past month or year have you and I wasted on emotions like this? Is this how we want to spend our lives? 
constantly looking for trouble and disappointment? Do we really want to base our joy on our circumstances? Is this the up and down roller coaster that we simply want to settle for? Which brings us to the second part of the verse. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. I don't know about you, but a continual feast sounds really great to me. I will totally sign up for that. And according to this verse, the person who gets this feast is the person who chooses to be happy. It's a joyful heart. That sounds good as well. And isn't a joyful heart what we really want from God anyway? But the truth is, we're not looking to God for joy. We're looking to Him for perfect circumstances, which in reality translates to God giving us what we want. Even though deep down, we realize that getting what we want doesn't equate to joy. The reality is we all have different circumstances. Some are good, some are bad, but the reality is that all of our circumstances will look different a year from now. Better for some of us, worse for others. But here's what's really, truly interesting. Some people are living through absolutely terrible circumstances, but yet they have joy. Other people have amazing circumstances, and yet they're incredibly hopeless. At the end of the day, the happy people who enjoy the continual feast are people who make space for it. They welcome it. They expect it. They're the people who choose joy. Think of it this way. Make space for joy by fighting for joy. I'm going to say that again. Make space for joy by fighting for joy. I don't think joy comes to anyone naturally. It just doesn't show up by default. It doesn't exist in perfect circumstances only. But joyful people are intentional about choosing joy. Joyful people make space for joyful thinking. And so, how do we achieve this joy? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote more on this. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. That's Philippians 4, verse 8. Paul didn't say, think about your happy thoughts or just be positive or fix your attitude. Instead, he essentially said this. He says, focus on the things that have substance, things that are reliable and worthy of respect, things that are pure and things that are good. Paul knew that we can choose joy by changing what we think about. We can fight for joy when we start to change our mind. Just like we can think about what's bad in the people around us, when we actually think about what's good about them instead of what's bad. We can think about what's bad in our lives, but we can also think about what's good about God. We can make space for, for hopelessness, but we can also make space for continual feasting, as the proverb talked about. If you were to say some things that can bring you worth or joy or meaning to a friend, what would you say? Would you say good news? You can also think those same things about yourself. You can make space for feasting on reliable and worthy thoughts, but this, again, doesn't happen naturally. 
Your mind is a battlefield and you have to fight your thoughts that lead you away from what's bad and lead you to things that are true and good. So if we want to fix our minds on what's true and noble, it makes sense to start in God's Word. It would be even better if we begin to feast on God's truth. This is another way it said from the prophet Jeremiah. He said, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy, they were my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. That's Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Jeremiah was a prophet. He was the literal mouthpiece of God to people. God would speak to Jeremiah, and he would pass on those messages to God's people. In addition, he had access to the written word of God. As Jeremiah began to appreciate God's word, written or spoken, it became a joy and a delight to his soul. We can cultivate the same thing within ourselves. Here's an essential jumping off point to a joyful life. God loves us more than we could ever imagine. He's for us. Here's just a few verses that help us with this. He's the bread of life out of John chapter 6, verse 35. He's the way, the truth, and the life out of John 14, verse 6. He came that we might have life and have it to the full out of John 10, verse 10. He's a life-giving God. His words are life-giving words. His words provide us comfort. They offer us strength and they deliver us peace. And yes, his words should infuse our lives with more joy. When we make space for feasting on God's word, they'll become a joy and delight to our soul as well. But again, this won't come naturally or easily. We have to fight for the time to engage in God's Word. I talked with a group of teenagers lately at the church. We were chatting about the reality that even when we don't feel like God is close, it doesn't mean He's far away. I asked them to describe some things they noticed when they felt closer to God, and one of them said this, I just feel more joyful whenever I feel like He's close. In fact, I've never met someone who's close to God who seems unhappy. That's really interesting. What if instead of focusing on our circumstance and whether or not they are the way that we hoped they would be, what if we focused on thinking and absorbing God's truth? What if we focused on the incredible grace and goodness that God offers us every day? What if we actually asked God for more joy? What if we asked Him that we could enjoy our time with Him? What if we beg God to help us carve out time to pray and to read His Word and look for ways to enjoy the words that we read? Ultimate joy comes not from believing truths that line up with truth. They're not feelings, they're not circumstances, but the number one way to cultivate more truth in our thoughts and beliefs is to be grateful for this truth, that joy comes from recognizing and believing what's true. The more we thank God for the goodness and truth right now, the more we begin to notice what's good and true in our lives. If we want to make a new path to joy in our hearts, then let gratitude clear the way. Now, the pathway to joy is actually pretty straightforward, but it's not easy. 
Having a joyful outlook is a battle. It's a struggle. It's a downright fight. But what's the alternative? To remain cynical and bitter? To stay on the emotional roller coaster living moment to moment and let temporary circumstances dictate our happiness? Would it be better to let days, months, and years go by while we wait for our happy picture to work out just right? But the great news today in our podcast for everybody listening and even for myself is God is the inventor of joy. It's one of the ways that we know his spirit is at work in our lives. There's no downside to having more joy. But we have to enter the battlefield and fight diligently to attain it. And as we grow in our joy, we have to fight just as intentionally to protect it. But it's a battle that we'll never regret fighting. Make space for joy by fighting for joy. Again, make space for joy by fighting for joy. So would you today make the decision to become a fighter, fighting for joy in your life so that you might have joy? Thank you for joining our Morning Sunday School podcast today. If you have any questions, uh, feel free uh, to leave them in the comment section uh, on Facebook. And uh, we're glad that, again, you could join us. Uh, Join us next week as we look to make space in another area of our lives. And I hope that you find this a blessing in your life today. Thank you for joining us on the Salvation Army of Hot Springs podcast. We'll see you next week.